Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast brought to you by Crack Rackets. My name is Alex Gruskin. As you can tell, this is a solo performance by me today because my wonderful co-host, doubles partner and partner in crime, Max Rothman, recently graduated college and like all college graduates, he's on a Euro vacation now. He's traveling throughout and as much as I would like him to check out the futures and challenges while he's there, I think he'll be more in the sightseeing partying mode. So congratulations to you, Max. Enjoy your Euro trip. We look forward to seeing you soon. Also, as always, got to give an early shout out to our super producer, Max Fligner, whose tennis career has just ended as his Dartmouth squad lost in the first round to Oregon. Fligner, we will continue to cherish you on this podcast, but you should know you've had the most incredible tennis career, and we're all so proud of you on this podcast, and we look forward to getting you back on. So, you know, you're putting in the sound effects. If you could, quick round of applause for yourself and Rothman. But... Because I know you listeners cannot take me on my own, I know I'm a bit much, I had to find a co-host for this episode, and given that it is the college tennis season, the NCAA tournament starts this Friday, I had to bring in the man of notorious fame from his Twitter account, College Tennis Ranks, Mr. Chris Hallioris, and I should tell you, Chris, I called Jonathan Kelly Mr. Kelly, and I would not make that mistake this time, so Chris, hey, great shot. Thanks, Alex. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Oh, it is an absolute pleasure. And I have to say, I have not had many Twitter call-outs in my day. I'm new to the Twitter sphere, but credit to you for calling me out because this is a podcast that should have happened months ago, and it is great to finally get you on the show. Oh, yeah. I I thought, why hasn't Alex asked me to be on with all this coverage? So I thought I just have to prompt it, you know? Well, I figured when, you know, approaching your elders for me, it's a tough thing to do. You're the wise guy. You're the experience. I'm just some lowly podcast college graduate who's just trying to get by. So, you know, you're, you're too big time for me, but I'm glad, you know, you can make a little time for the little guy. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And for our listeners who may not be big on Twitter, you know, we have a lot of tennis parents out there and, you know, studio tennis parents. If you're not on Twitter, get on tennis Twitter. It is one of the most fun Twitter communities out there. Uh, Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves, Chris? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I was a, a longtime tennis player back going to back in high school, played in college, low, lowly D3, right? Uh, not not, not here. <laughs> the, the D3 tennis guys are furious. At you yeah. Oh, I mean, I was, I was the most amazing D3 number six that you've ever seen, uh, you know? <laughs> no talent, but I would chase everything down. You're like uh, a young Luke side for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, you know, then my, 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 I, played a little after college and, and then nothing for a while and my nephew got into into playing and he's now playing d1 tennis and i so i got back big into following uh, d1 college tennis and and as i did i kind of got uh, um, got into the whole rankings and points and everything and and kind of out of that came this whole what is now the college tennis ranks.com website uh, and the twitter feed but uh but it was it was really just the, the following of tennis and wanting to understand. You know, and I'm just a I'm just a geek at heart anyway. So I you know I like I, I like to develop and I like numbers and so I uh, I threw all this together and and I kind of did this last year. Uh, but it was really only for it was for Bobby Knight, uh, myself, and a couple college coaches that uh, that I knew pretty well that would use the system. 
And uh, and then when Bobby moved this year, I thought, you know, I kind of felt last year I, I really didn't want to take it out only because he pro- he provided all the college tennis coverage uh, uh, online for the most part. And I thought, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't want him to feel like I was encroaching on his territory or whatnot. But when he moved and said that he wouldn't be spending as much time, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll go ahead and just put it out there. And man, I just got, I just got just blasted with feedback instantly. It was, you know, oh, we love it. And I'm getting, you know, I'm getting 10, 20 messages from head coaches and assistant coaches a day wanting to know, Hey, what's that going to do for us? And where's that put us? And it was, it was just unbelievable. Uh, and so now it's kind of what it was kind of my worst fear. Actually, it was one of those things that once you put it up, you're stuck and you have to maintain it and put all the effort into keeping it going now. So, so now, now I couldn't let it go. Somewhere our producer, Daniel Westoff, who is in the background is screaming, Alex, see, listen to this attitude. This is why you have to write every day. And he's yelling at me and I can hear him in the background. So Westoff, yes, this is the type of guy we need to aspire after. And and this is our role model. This is clearly the, the model we need to use moving forward. So, and, you know, speaking on behalf of tennis fans, we have really appreciated you. We, I'm going to speak on behalf of you guys. Sorry. Uh, we really appreciate your coverage. I think the college tennis Twitter community is one of the niche, the word you mentioned, I like it as well. Geek communities out there, you know, following the UTRs and the matchups and just the match calculus of, well, this, team will take the doubles point but who should be favored in what matchups and what should we should be watching so it's you know we so much appreciate having that in-depth coverage that you that bobby that colette lewis and now i say crack rackets have you know been providing because college tennis is so enjoyable so again really appreciate the work you've done and so happy to have you on now all right yeah but the flattery is over from there from here on in strictly business all right Yeah, obviously, there was a ton of college tennis this weekend. It is officially May Madness, and I think May Madness is a way better term than March Madness. Basketball is overrated. Too many foul calls. Here, when a ref gets involved, it's contentious and it's fun. So let's get into the tennis. Uh, You know, you and I talked a little bit before, but today we're only going to be focusing on the men's side. If we talked about all of the tennis, we'd be on this podcast for four hours. And, you know, as much as I would love to talk to you, I promise you, my puns stop being fun at about the 150 minute mark uh so you know we'll, we'll try and breeze that but so what i want to do is you know just kind of run through these results uh you know we can mention all of the top teams and all of the results but really talk about the matches that stuck out from each of the days play and i want to give a shout out now again to bobby knight because i'm going to be using his website to have all of these results and you know thank you to him for doing such a good job but yeah you ready to rock and roll yeah let's do it All right, so I'm going to list the match, and if you have any auxiliary comments or if you just want to say, hey, great team, let me know. But let's start out with the first match of the day. Number three, Ohio State, takes out ETSU. That's a match they win 4-0, and I believe it was under two hours. Uh, Any preliminary thoughts from this OSU team? Well, I mean, the the team in general is is super solid. They're top to bottom. I mean, obviously, when you got Torpegard up top, you're you're in good shape. But, I mean, they're they're, they're straight down to the bottom. you know, about as good a one through six as as you're going to find. So they're going to be, what I find interesting with them is with, if you look at the weather forecast for this weekend right now in Winston-Salem, it doesn't look good and they are an outstanding indoor team. Uh, So if that happens now, Minnesota is not a bad indoor team either, but if that happens, they're going to be, they're going to be tough to, tough to beat uh, at least the first, first day or, or two. 
you know, Ohio State has played Minnesota twice this year. They beat them 5-2 during the regular season, and then I think they knocked them out 4-1 in the Big Ten tournament. So that is a match, you know, looking ahead to the Sweet 16. It's a team they've played before. Yeah, you talk about this Ohio State lineup. Five of the six guys are ranked. I could make a pretty convincing case that Tim Siebert should not be playing for singles. I won't, out of respect to Torpegard, who was kind enough to do a crack interview with us, and shameless plug, go check that out. Uh, but yeah, like you mentioned, this Ohio State team seems to finally have found you know, three doubles pairings that really work, and if they can get a doubles point, I don't know how a team can beat them in four out of six singles. Points. Yeah, that's going to be tough. And honestly, it's, it's, it's four through six. Those guys are basically interchangeable. Personally, I mean, I think Joyce should probably be playing four but he's playing six, but I mean, you can see Bert Seelig and, and Joyce, you can, you can interchange They're, uh, you know, they, they can play them in any order. And if you don't get the doubles point against them, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. What, what surprised me though, was in that season match with Minnesota, uh, Speck and Milosevic took the, uh, the two and three spot from, they beat Wolf and McNally. So if they can somehow manage to get doubles and, and somehow do that again, they've just got to find, you know, one more. I don't honestly have any idea where even how they repeat that and where one more comes from. It's not going to be at six against Joyce. Uh, but, you know, maybe it's at maybe it's at four. But, you know, that's that's probably their best shot is trying to get, you know, something like two, three, four. Well, then let's talk about this Minnesota team who they match up with. And, and again, just to recap, Ohio State knocked out East Tennessee State 4-0, end up beating Kentucky 4-0 in the second round. You know, again, I don't have much more to add about this Ohio State team other than to say the, the thought of Torpegard at two doubles is so scary. And just, you again, you look at the rankings of this team. You've got Torpegard, who's number six in the country, Wolf, number 41, McNally, 92, Seelig, 96, Joyce, 112. It's a formidable lineup. It's interesting because they lost early in the national indoor, so you talk about them going to indoor versus outdoor tennis. You know, Maybe that's something that stays in the back of their mind, but yeah, this Ohio State team looks good moving forward, but let's talk about who they're playing in the Sweet 16, Minnesota, who probably were the biggest winners of the first weekend of tennis. In the first round, they take out Georgia for or three. Uh, this was, you know, a lot of people had Georgia as their dark horse pick to maybe make the semifinals because they brought back so many players from the team who made the semifinals last year. Uh, what did you think of these results? Did you know as soon as it was moved indoors, Georgia would be in trouble? Yeah, I, kind of, I, I had that feeling, uh, you know, and I was one of those that had picked Georgia. And frankly, whoever won that match, I was going to take to beat Oklahoma. I gave Oklahoma very little chance of making it out of that region. But, but yeah, as soon as as soon as that went indoors, it was it was definitely going to be going to be trouble for Georgia. I mean, they they've got indoor court there. They do play some indoors, but they're not they're certainly not the indoor team that that Minnesota is. I was still still very surprised that the one the one match that still more than any kind of sticks in my head is the fact that Georgia moves Reinberg down to four uh, and which I thought and it may have even gotten challenged if it did it was upheld but so he plays four uh, and he's been playing you know two three all year and then he loses at four uh, and Kristanovic beat him I mean that was that was a killer for them. I completely agree with you, and a guy who I don't think has gotten enough love this year on the tennis circuit, Felix Colon at one singles, you know, last summer right around this time, he beat Tommy Paul in the Futures. Uh, Felix Colon is capable of playing some tremendous tennis, and for him to take out Wayne Montgomery, 4-6, 7-6, 6-2, a senior in his last weeks on the job, uh, just 
such an inspired result. And again, Georgia, the reason everyone's so high on them, that doubles lineup is scary. You know, they don't even have Pond within the lineup. And then, like you mentioned, Pond with three, Reinberg four, that, and Walker Duncan coming back from injury at five. You know, what an effort from Minnesota to come back and take the match. Yeah, that was a, that was a huge win. Yeah. And then you look, you know, in the next round, they take out Oklahoma 4-0. I mean, we'll, we'll go early with this. I wanted to save the predictions for later. But given how hot Minnesota is, given it's their third time playing Ohio State this season, and if you've ever played team tennis, you know how hard it is to beat a team three times in a row. Uh, who you got? Who's your favorite in that matchup? Oh, Ohio State, no problem. Oh, no hot take early? No, I can't. I can't do it. I mean, I'm, I've, I've sat there and looked. I'd love to see. Well, not only for that reason, but obviously if my guys win, we get the winner of that match, right? <laughs> my guys, meaning for our listeners, Chris is a huge Mississippi State slappy. And, of course, I bring on an MSU fan as a U of M guy, just typical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I would, I, you know, it, 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 you, it's always you've got to be careful when you pick who you want to play, but when you look at it on paper, clearly you have to want to play the number 37 team over the number three team, right? So, uh, so yeah, you'd much rather play Minnesota, but I, I just don't see how, how they do it. I mean, I, I, I can't – I don't see them getting five or six, and if they don't get doubles, they're not sweeping one through four, so they almost have to get doubles. And then trying to find three out of one through four with Torpegard, Wolf, and McNally, I mean, they have C- taking out Seabrook a must. And then two of the other three, uh, they did it once. I don't even that, – that's the hard part is I don't see how those guys, Wolf and McNally, go down again, both of them. I, I just don't see it happening. In their matchups this year, Torpegard's beaten Corwin both times. Oh, no, that's not true. I apologize. Corwin and Torpegard have split. So you imagine any upset starts with Felix Corwin taking out Torp. And, you know, given that he's yeah. done it before, it's a big ask, but it's certainly possible. Yeah, that doubles point is crucial. You know, if Minnesota goes behind 1-0, you talk about it. Wolf at 2, McNally at 3. Awfully big deficit. I agree with you. I don't think it's an unconventional take to say Ohio State's the favorite. And, yeah, I, I see them moving on to the Elite Eight. But any other thoughts from that little region? No, I think that pretty much covers that one. That one. I guess parting thoughts, given this Georgia roster, the disappointing, the disappointment they uh, you know go through this season, uh, is that a testament to all the offseason turbulence? You know, why didn't this Georgia team succeed? Do we know why? Is something going to come out? Uh, I don't know. I, I seriously doubt you're actually going to see anything. Um, you know, they only they only lose uh, really Wayne, Wayne Montgomery this year, right? And they brought the whole team back effectively from last year. So it was obviously a, a disappointing year. And yeah, they, they had injuries. I mean, uh, you know, Walker Duncan's missed the, the the better part of the last half of the season, but he came back here and actually he won his matches. Um, but Pondwick didn't have a good year. I couldn't tell you why I've been asked by many people. Um, you know, he played one for them last year and played well, and they, he, he kind of worked his way down the lineup this year and still didn't, you know, not with great success. Now, obviously they had the Ooster bond thing going on. You can imagine there were some, you know, some different things going on in the locker room, but, uh, I mean, again, they don't, they only lose Wayne, uh, out of the starting lineup and they've got some, some good talent coming in. So, uh, you know, I'm sure Manny will have him back, uh, back and ready to go again next year. First tangent of the podcast, but since you're an SEC guy, gotta ask you. Looking into the, you know, we have all 2018 to go, but looking to 2019, Florida's the team to beat, right? All of this lineup oh, plus you bring sure. in yeah, Rufus and Grace. Yeah, Florida's the hands down favorite next year. Uh, absolutely. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think that it, the SEC could be really, really fun, especially Nuno's a junior, right? Yeah. If he stays, boom. Oh, he's he's staying for sure. <laughs> there it is. That's yeah, those, so those those four guys, the uh, uh, the Fantastic Four, as they call themselves, that all came in together and lived together. Uh, they're all they're all in it for the you know they are you know it's kind of the, the Mississippi State motto, but they are family, and those guys are all. Uh, which I'm speaking of uh, Nuno, Strali, Nick, and Trevor. Those, those four guys live together. They're all juniors. They all came in the same same year. They'll they'll all be back. Uh, I mean, Nuno could go obviously anytime he wanted, but but he's going to stay and get his degree and and finish it out. It sounds like he uh, made a commitment to you, and if he backs out, he'll have to deal with uh, tennis Twitter everywhere. So yeah, <laughs> that's right. Not going to let that fly, but okay, let's talk about your Mississippi State Bulldogs. Uh, you know, obviously they have a very successful regional. They take out Tennessee Tech 4-0 and then take out South Alabama 4-0. They're now matching up with Texas, who knocked out Bryant and then Cal, both by 4-0 scores as well. So both of these teams coming in hot. Uh, you know, I, I have some hot takes about Mississippi State, but they're your team. Tell me why I should be worried about them. Why are they the favorites? Oh, well, it's, I mean, so first of all, they've played, which was not the case last year. They played great doubles this year. I think they lost, and, and I'd have to go back and look, and it, it, you're probably going to hit me with this uh, later, but I think they've lost <laughs> one match at two doubles this year, maybe two, but I think only one. I know when we got to, uh, it was either the conference tournament or right before the conference tournament, it was the first match that they'd lost at two doubles. So, so the, the one dubs team, started the year at two and Nick and Trevor were playing one and things, they just, they just weren't gelling well. They mixed it up and they slid two doubles up the one and that two team hadn't lost a two yet. Now you got Nick and Gio at two and they ran the table uh, so that, you know, if you get almost, uh, you know, a guaranteed point at two dubs, which, you know, obviously not guaranteed, but if, when you've only lost one or one or two all year, it's, you know, they're winning the doubles point most of the time if you manage to take doubles and then you've got Nuno and Gio at one and two, who are very tough to beat, obviously Nuno's been, you know, top five in the, in the NCAA all year. Gio's hung anywhere from 10 to 20 something. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking at really good shots at one, two and dubs, and then it's, Hey, find one more. And, and, and there's no weak spots, right? You, you can look at UTRs down the line. You could, there's just, there, there's not a, there's not a weak hole anywhere. So it's, it's, it's going to be tough to tough to take them out for sure. Tangent, it's time for tangent number two because you use the three letters that have you know really grown to haunt me, and that's UTR. Uh, just because I think it's so hard to quantify tennis matches and rankings, and if you've been a follower of the game, you know that's always been a struggle. Uh, getting into this tennis coverage, how often do you utilize a tool like UTR when trying to project matchups? Uh, well. I- more than anything, I think it's it, it's something that gets that gets you something to talk about, right? So I will look it up. In fact, I've got the on the men's side, I've got the the matchups with the lineups that were submitted for every match laid out, uh, just to look at. And I go, well, you know, if they're within a, a quarter point, you yeah, whatever. Uh, but when you start approaching a half a point more, and some of them surprise you when you look at them, you're like, wow, he's half a point or almost a full point higher than the other guy. You and um, I'll, I definitely look at it just to, to get a sense for it, and uh, and I and I really like to look for the upsets, right? Get the what UTR would consider a huge upset. You know, you're like ninety, 
5% plus if there's more than a one point difference, which just doesn't happen very often. Uh, but, it, and you don't see too many of those once we get down to the sweet 16, but, but I, I mean, I, I definitely look at it all the time now, how much I use it to really go, yeah, I think so-and-so is going to beat somebody, uh, not nearly as often because by the time you get here, most of these guys are close enough that it can go either way. Can I just say, peak tennis nerdum, you laying out all of the matchups just to look at it. I, you know, I felt bad about myself when I went seven tabs deep the other day just because I had every match open everywhere. But to hear someone else is doing it, really soothing. So I appreciate that. Oh, I, I love the compare tool on, on UCR. <laughs> you can pull up one team, you hit compare, pull up the other team, and then you can slide the lineups around to match the lineups that they've submitted. And, and look, it's, it's outstanding. <laughs> well, it's funny because whenever I mention using tactics like that to my friends, they say, Alex, you need a girlfriend. But now I can say, no, 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 adults do it too. Like, it's totally cool. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm totally down. But let's talk about that Texas team that your Mississippi State uh, boys match up with. You look at them, you know, Siskard at one, he's 110 in the country. Ido at two, 52. Scott, number 89 at three. Tellus, 93 at four. Banzer, 104. This is a team that has a lot of veteran depth. And yeah, they were knocked out by Virginia last year. But to anyone who watched that match, really, really close doubles point. Had Aragoni not closed out the match, that could have been one that went the distance. I, I think Ty went three in that match. And I know Altamirano smoked Goldhoff, but still, this is an experienced Texas team. They're 19 and six on the year. They handled Cal really easily. Although I will say not the Cal teams we've seen of lately. This was a lesser quality Cal team. Uh, look, they're going to give Mississippi State a run at each and every flight and there's you know there's not a single matchup at least in my opinion where you see a diminutive favorite no i, I agree i mean the, the, when, when you look at it the the only one that you know at, you have to feel good about your chances with nuno every time so i, I gotta like him at, at one but from from two through six they're i mean they're they're close and you look at the utrs and they're close. there's only one other match that's over a quarter point it's barely over a quarter point so they're, they're virtually toss-ups right down. Nuno's got a fairly decent advantage at one, but other than that, they're toss-ups. If I had to guess, I'd say this match will uh, probably be, I don't know, it comes down to the doubles point. Again, that's the real thing that I keep circling back to, and you look at this Texas doubles team, you know, the success they had against Cal, the win at one and three, uh, both comfortable sets, and then at two, it was five all. Do you think Mississippi State, you mentioned their doubles being really improved this year, but again, they've never been in, you know, this really pressure-packed Sweet 16 environment as the favorite. Uh, do you think that's something they worry about moving in, or do you think, you know, this match will be so close, it's not, it's not going to be the nerves that it comes down to. It's going to be, you know, the little other things. No, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think they'll, and in fact, even if they were to, I mean, these guys, even if they lose the doubles point, uh, it's not gonna, you know, they've got that attitude that they're just going to come out and take four singles matches. I mean, they lost the doubles point to Florida at home and came out and won five singles matches. Uh, so it's, I, I don't think it's something that they, you know, they get overly concerned with. Obviously they want to win the doubles point, but it's not like they lose the doubles point and then think, Oh my gosh, we got a hill to climb now. That's that's me sitting back there doing that. They're going, Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I like it. I also have to say is I think Nuno might be the most underrated, incredible talent in college tennis. You see the guys, you know, everyone knows who Blumberg is. Uh, everyone knows who Torp is, or at least everyone who's followed the sport closely over the past years, just because those guys have been so relevant. Uh, maybe I'm just biased and I really dislike teams with the MSU logos, but I think, like, uh, to me, I, you would have never known Nuno Bourget is number two in the country. Like, a Mississippi State tennis player, number two in the country. Okay, I'm biased, as you can tell, but still, I feel like he's underrated. Well, yeah, and most people don't know that, you know, he had gone the entire fall and into the dual match season, having only lost one match, and that was at All-American, and he won the, you know, at Indian Wells, he won the outdoors, right? He beat Chris Coase, he beat Red Licky, uh, you know, he, he won the national championship outdoors in the in the fall, so it's, you know, but but to your point, yeah, people still go who Mississippi State? No, yeah, <laughs> don't know who that is. Uh, I mean, I completely. I will. You know, this is my first chance to ding you, but having had him on the pod, it's pre Socos. It's, it's just the H. The C is silent. Uh, hey, yeah, I, I, I was gonna say, hey, hey, great shot. But uh, yeah. it's you know, it, it was only a matter of time. But okay, I'm assuming you're taking Mississippi State in that one. Yes, uh, I am. I would be a contrarian, but I would never be that rude to a guest. So I'm going to take Mississippi State as well. You know, my mother said, always be polite to your elders. So we'll say Mississippi State 4-2, they advance versus Ohio State. Um, all right, let's move down to stay on the right side to go to the bottom of the bracket. A really, really interesting, well, I'm interested in both for obvious reasons, but really interesting top half match. You have number seven, North Carolina versus potentially a sleeping giant in number 10 USC. You know, both of these teams, although USC's first round match against UC Santa Barbara, though 4-1, much closer than I expected. Came down to a lot of three-set matches, and you know, North Carolina is my dark horse pick to win it all. So, you know, what have you seen from these two teams thus far? Yeah, I think it's it's, it's very interesting because USC's lost, I think they've lost uh, like eight, eight matches maybe on the year, uh, and uh, and every single one of them is to a top five team. So, so they're seventeen and eight, but they've got eight losses to a, to top five teams. Obviously, many repeats in there. So, uh, I, again, I got to get you because I don't get to get the stats guys off the nineteen and eight after this weekend. But hey, great correct. Track. Yeah, correct. <laughs> That's right. And uh, but I, with, with that being said, I'll say that it. I I think what kind of what really made me a believer, if you will, is in the Pac twelve. Um, when they took out Stanford 4-0, right? That was that was a surprise. But if you look, you know, again on paper, you look at the lineup. It's 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 not as it's certainly not as strong as North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina's going go, uh, on paper's got a decided advantage. Um, so I think uh, Carolina's going to probably come out there. I expect them to get test get a, get a, a test. But but like you said. UCSB should not, you know, they sh- they should not have pushed them as hard as I mean. That was actually a really tight match. A bunch of three setters. I think UCSB took four first sets, if I recall, and I didn't see that. Now, I think Carolina is just going to be probably probably too much uh, too much for them. But you know, I think you're going to have to take out Blumberg and uh, if you want, and that's going to be very hard to do. Holt, great, but you know. Blumberg seems to he he seems to step up. I know watching him last year, both at the team and at the at the individuals, uh, watched him all the way to the to the finals. There, it was he's 
when it gets tough, he just get he gets better. So I have a lot of thoughts on on these two teams. So bear with me. I apologize in advance for this rant, but we both knew it was going to happen. Uh, so talking about that USC match, as you mentioned, they they dropped three first sets, and then Riley Smith drops a second set. Uh, in their match against UCSB in that first round. You know, this is a team, Brandon Holt, number 11, Quakerman, uh, number 74. And then names, if you follow college times, I believe Jade, Forger, both juniors. Uh, and then Riley Smith, obviously Peter Smith's son. Um, you know, a very veteran-laced team. As you mentioned, they have lost a majority of their matches to top five schools. But then you talk about this UNC team and just the way they match up. And UNC, I think they have, you know, I'm just going to say, I think Blumberg and Kelly are by far the best doubles team in the country. If you've watched a lot of these college tennis players, look, Holton Riley Smith, they won Kalamazoo. They've played U.S. Open juniors. I believe they've won futures titles as well. But God damn, are Blumberg and Kelly good. I mean, just something about that Will Blumberg forehand, the way he's able to move forward and just rip the ball and then, Kelly's just got a swagger. They play like they think they're the best team in the country. And when it's that noticeable, even via live stream, like when that swagger is that contagious, I just think that's the type of thing that propels you to a run. When you have spots that good that you can rely on match in, match out, you know, get in the groove. And when you're matching up with USC, you know, Holton Smith play one doubles for USC. That's a really good one doubles team. But I think Blumberg and Kelly are just going to be that much better. I think, you know, Carolina's three doubles has been up in the air all year. I think that could be a toss-up. I think this match comes down to the number two doubles fight. We have number nine, Jaden Verboven, taking on, I believe it's Seguin and Boyden. I think whoever wins that match and takes the doubles point takes this match. Wow. Is that too bold? Am I am I crazy? Wow, heck, that's why they play the match, right? I don't think it's crazy, <laughs> but... Uh... But man, I don't, I, I don't see Jade beating Sondergaard. I don't see Blumberg losing. Uh, if anyone can do it, it's Holt, man. Holt is coming out of the Yeah, he, he can do it. I just, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I think USC is definitely fighting. They're fighting uphill. I expect Riley Smith to win. Uh, you think he's going to take out Boyden? I, yeah, I do. Really? Oh, oh. So I was talking to a friend of the podcast, Jack Murray, a former UNC guy. And he, the one thing he said about Winston-Salem is those courts, the balls bounce really high. And so he did say big servers would have an advantage. Now, I have not played on these courts, so of course I don't know firsthand. But a Riley Smith upset, which is the type of thing they need, and I, I think it would be an if the courts are playing that, you know, Riley's got the huge serving. That is interesting. That is part of the recipe. Yeah, I think I'm not. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'd call that an upset, but but uh, but I I I think that's. I think they're going to get that one now. I just and I think they probably have to get. You know, Brandon Holt probably got to beat, and then, you know, Verboven maybe over Kelly. But uh, with that, I still think they're going to. You know, they got to have dub, doubles. But it could go. All of these matches uh, are seem. Seem fairly close to me, except for one and three. I think I think Carolina's got a pretty good advantage on paper at one and three, and after that, you you know. Uh, but although I think USC's got a, uh, in my mind, I think Riley Smith wins that, so, and then the other three to me are just toss-ups. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, this whole podcast is pure speculation. I mean, you're totally right. When you said earlier, that's why they play the matches. I agree. Yeah. But I, I, again, I, I will be going to Winston Salem. I believe you said you will be as well. Yep, I'll be there. <laughs> 
yeah, we will be amped up for these morning matches. I believe they're both the 9 a.m.s, and so yeah. that'll be, yeah, them and that. I, I mean, I'll be glued at the Michigan-UCLA match, but I'll try and get back and forth as much as possible. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to ask you one more thing about this UNC team. So uh, for our listeners who don't know, a lot of these players on UNC were part of the team that made the finals last year and fell to Virginia. You know, as you mentioned, Blumberg with the experience at the top seems to always play his best tennis in the big moments, and as you mentioned, you know, the guy lost what, one match last year. He's the defending NCAA finalist. He's, he might, he, I, you know, again, hot take, he's probably the best player in college tennis. Uh, but you just, you talk about that experience. Uh, do you agree with me when I say UNC is the dark horse pick to take the title? Yeah, I, I definitely like them a lot coming out of that, that whole side uh, over there. It's, you know, I think you get that U. If you get, uh, which you obviously don't want to see, but if you get the UNC UCLA match, uh, you know the, the winner coming out. Of you that, had to say it. You just yeah, had that, to do that it. looks really that looks really good for whoever whoever gets out of there. If if they indeed both manage to get there, right? But uh, but yeah, they're I think they're a good dark horse. Again, I said this earlier, Jack went to UNC. I'm a bit biased, but I think Kelly's got a swagger, man. Senior last week on the job, I just I think he's going to win a lot of close matches, especially that he gets to play at four. You know, to have a senior lower in the lineup, as we saw for those uh, Virginia teams, you know, veteran depth makes the difference. And this UNC team is one to be trifled with. I'm going to ask you for your pick. Who you got, UNC or, or USC? I got UNC for sure. What's your score looking like? Four zero, four one. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go four. I'll say it's four two. I think they'll get Riley and they'll find either doubles or one other. But I think that's it. I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna say UNC. I'm gonna say four one. I'm gonna say they take the doubles with end up taking two doubles. I think Sabine might be the best freshman tennis player left in the draw. You know, Geller really bad for Stanford, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think him at two, if he you know if he plays the tennis he's capable of, can beat any other two singles player. And like I mentioned, Kelly at four, and I really like Boyden at five. I just think. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to get four points against these UNC guys. USC has the depth, but they don't have the top-end talent. Give me UNC 4-1. They're going to win doubles, one singles, four singles, five singles. All right. All right, and now it is time. We're going to do this at the halfway point to get it out of the way early. This is the match I was at. This is probably, yeah, it's not probably. This was my favorite match of the first weekend. Let's talk. Michigan Notre Dame, the most deceiving 4-0 result in college tennis history. You called me out for celebrating too hard after doubles. Totally fair. Uh, you know what do you think about this Michigan team? Yeah, they uh, well certainly they they came through under pressure, like you said. Uh, I mean, a 4-0, and and I had been I had talked about this. It's you know a lot of guys will say, oh, but it was a close 4-0. This really was a very close 4-0, right? I mean, they they. They pulled obviously out the doubles point, and then, and they had a couple matches go their way. But at 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 three of them, it looked like Miles Shallot was about to lose. Right, he fought up. I mean, you tell me, two, three match points. I don't know. Four match points, and let me tell you, it was a miracle that he won that match. He was about two seconds away from throwing in the towel. Yeah, four. So he fights off four match points in what you know in in. You know, under any any other circumstance, that could have been a that makes it three one. The other three matches go go three, 
and I believe Notre Dame's up a break in two of them, right? Uh, so, so even worse than that, Leo Red Hua, who affectionately goes by Leo, who plays two singles for Michigan, uh, he goes, you know, he goes up five two in the first set. Uh, the Notre Dame player comes back, and Leo ends up winning at seven six. But he's up five two again in the second set. Serves for the match twice and five, drops it. Break, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now go loses that set seven five, and all of a sudden you have three or you have four matches left in the third set, and you know there Lebedev was. You know, him and Knight were just slapping away. And, yeah, Lebedev is a uh, big boy. And so, you know, I, he had the break. It looked like he was going to take that. You know, Carter Lynn was down a break. I think McCormick was serving for the match when they ended. This could have very easily gone 4-3. And got to give credit to my boys, my seniors, four seniors in the lineup. People say depth, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how old you're you are in college tennis. This Michigan team proves otherwise. These guys stuck together and, you know, credit to Shallot for coming back. It was an incredible match. Yeah. That, I mean, it's it, like you said, that, as close a 4-0 as, as you're going to see for sure. And now they match up with the number two team in the country, UCLA. You know, UCLA has a pretty easy weekend as well. Beats Idaho 4-0. Then beats UCSD. That's University of California, San Diego 4-0 as well. Um, another team, I feel like a very quiet two-seed. People forget this team made the finals of the national indoors. You know, there's all the attention on the ACC schools, Wake, UNC. And then, you, you know, I just feel like for some reason, this UCLA team, again, East Coast bias, but don't sleep on them. They are so good. And to have a freshman like Keegan Smith contributing the way he has at three singles, I mean, they're forced to be reckoned with. Yes, absolutely. And it's, and it's like you said, with the East coast bias, I don't get to, I don't get to see them. Um, so a lot of it's just kind of what you, what you're reading in print and, and results that you're looking at and looking at UTRs and seeing what the guys are doing and, and, you know, in the fall, but it's, you know the and I don't really know the only guys on the on the in their lineup that I've ever really seen in person previously are Logan Staggs and Connor Hans. Uh, it's and I and I saw some of the Red Licky match with with Nuno out at uh, Indian Wells, but but I don't know you know I don't I don't know a lot about it. I've never seen Keegan Smith play. I've never seen Evan Ju play. So uh, or Maxime Cressy. Uh, so I don't it, it's a it's tough on paper. They they look outstanding. Uh, so and and there are two seed for I'm sure good reason. Uh, so well, yeah, I, I don't want to date you here, but if you haven't heard, uh, there's a thing the interweb, and you, you can uh, you go on YouTube.com and you type in any of these names, and I promise you, you will find clips de jour. And so yeah, you know you have a family, you got shit to do, but you will find the clips you need. I've I've been zoo so explosive, Keegan Smith just big hitter. I mean, a guy who, again, if these courts play the way Jack described, he should have a lot of fun, you know, serving into those courts and being able to snap balls off moving forward. Uh, let's do a preview of this one because my, my fun fact looking into this, in that UCSD match in the second round, UCLA won doubles team Martin, Martin Redlicky and Evan Zhu drop a 6-0 stinker. Yeah, they won did. doubles. If yeah. Michigan can steal the doubles point, watch out. Am I talking to myself into this? Is this you'll, just you'll, me? You'll be, you'll be watching. I don't think very many others will be. 
<laughs> Look, I'm, I, if they do, all right, here's my bold prediction, and there's no inside information to this, but what I would do if I'm Adam Steinberg, you say, you know what, three doubles. We're not going to win it no matter what. We're going to have Leo and Knight, who have been ranked as high as, I think, four in the country in doubles. We're going to have them play number one. We're going to get the sure thing in Shallot and Johnston at two, and that's how we're going to take the doubles point. We're just going to load all in on those two positions. I, I don't like that they split up Qua and Knight, because I think those guys gel so well as a doubles team. And I think they steal the doubles point. Oh, man. I, I think Zhu Hua will be the match of the first round. Both guys so explosive, such great shot makers. So There's just going to be a lot of exciting tennis. I won't watch a second of Red Licky and Knight, because it's just two guys who are going to slap everything. Um, yeah. So that's, that's well, just not for me. To your point, if they, if they can steal doubles, you know, and, and it it doesn't, on paper, if you look at the UTRs, the, well, that, that, that match up top is a dead heat. Knight and, and Red Lecky. And then uh, your guys actually have the advantage at two and four. Uh, so, you know, if you get, if, if, if Knight in a toss up wins and you, and you get two and four, then it's just doubles. And then even if they don't, uh, Crocker and Hans are almost a toss up as well. So the only two big, the only two big advantages UCLA has are at three and five. Uh, everywhere so, else, it's, it's pretty straight. That's so interesting that you say that because to me, you know, again, I've watched this Michigan team very closely, but I think the matchup they could really steal is at five. You look at a guy like Cressy, big server, right? And just a guy who moves forward. And, you know, the guy you don't want to play if you're a big server is Carter Lynn, who's going to track down every ball, who's going to work you side to side, just so tenacious from the baseline. You know, he's the Michigan version of Logan Staggs. I think Michigan... The recipe for them to win is they win two, they win doubles, they win two, they win five, and then, yeah, they need Knight to outslap Red Lickie. Because I, I think it's three and six, UCLA's are prohibitive favorites. Well, you, we'll see, I guess. I'll, yeah. I'll, be sitting, I'll be sitting right next to you watching that one. Unless, of course, we get the, uh, we get the rain that we're supposed to get uh, uh, on, on Friday, which would be a real bummer. Uh, and then, in which case, you'll be driving me to the site because I'm under 25. I can't get a rental car. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you would, you'd, you'd be in North Carolina, uh, <laughs> which is like 80 miles away. Uh, uh, you know what? Anything for the team. You know, you're yeah. willing to do this. I'll go to UNC with you, or maybe I'll ask the guys if I can hop on the bus with them. But okay, enough Michigan talk. I, uh, you know, everyone knows my thoughts. Give me your pick. I, I, I can't go with you, man. I got to take UCLA. Uh, look, I love my Wolverines. I'm taking them. Give me a four-three thriller. Red, Knight slaps Red Licky out of existence. Seven-six in the third. Red Licky withdraws from the individuals and puts down the racket forever. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, let's move to the other side of the bracket. And actually, before we do that, I apologize, Chris. I I didn't tell you we were going to do this beforehand, but I want to take a quick commercial break. So we will be right back. Alex, I'll be honest, I haven't said it to you much, but I really don't like your fashion off the court. What, you think I wear too many tennis clothes? You know, it's, I mean, yes, but... (laughs) 
It's not that you wear too much tennis clothing. It's just you're not wearing the right type of tennis clothing. What do you mean? There's a specific brand I should be wearing? You clearly haven't heard of the new tennis cloth company called Cross Court Threads. Cross Court Threads? Is that going to be something with knitting? No, not exactly, although they do use high-quality material. In fact, they have some pretty unbelievable designs on their website. You're the one who criticizes my clothing, so uh, I'll leave the design choices up to you. What do they got? They've got an awesome Rebel Legend tee with the all-famous Andre Agassi on it, rocking the nice lechuga out the back. Lechuga, oh my god. Let me tell you, he's got some beautiful flow. But look, (laughs) if you're more of a hat guy, they've also got a nice 40 love hat with some beautiful cursive, but they also have a love all hat for those who are more of that kind of peacemaking kind of vibe. Oh, absolutely. What about for the truckers out there? Any trucker hats? Oh yeah, they've got a trucker hat, a beautiful logo trucker hat with the cross threads logo on it. And you know, I keep it low key, but sometimes I wear leggings on the courts. Anything for me? They've got some racer leggings that look perfect for that nice round butt of yours. Goes up to XXL? <laughs> that it does. Oh, awesome. But you know what else they've got, Alex? What's that? They've got a preferred player program. Ooh, preferred? Yeah. Now let me tell you, if you like the designs on the website, if you are also a current and active member of the USTA, you can apply to become a cross-court threads preferred player. You know what comes with it? I don't. What is it? Qualifying applicants will receive the opportunity to custom build these awesome designs into a custom package of four items, and they'll come at a steep 25% discount. Well, you know, Maxie, while my USTA player number may still be active, I consider myself more in the retired phase, more analyst than player. Also, as you can see right now, I've still got the face for the game. So if there is a way for me to be an Instagram ambassador for cross-court threads, you know, maybe flaunt the gear I'm wearing, not necessarily pick the designs. Is there a program for me to do that? You can be a brand ambassador in the brand ambassador program. Look, it's a four-month program, and you seem like the perfect candidate as someone who's a frequent wearer of tennis. I mean, it sounds like the program for me. Where can I apply? You can apply right on their website, crosscourtthreads.com. And check this out. If you subscribe to their email list, you'll get 10% off. It's crosscourtthreads.com? That it is, crosscourtthreads.com. Crosscourtthreads.com. You know what, Alex? I liked that bit the first time, but let me just remind the listeners... It's cross-court threads without the dash. Just crosscourtthreads.com. I know what you're getting me for my birthday. Oh, yeah? What is that? Crosscourtthreads.com. <laughs> <laughs>